the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. How is everybody today on this Saturday, August 12th, 2023? Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a packed one as usual for you. First of all, let me... Uh, Thank everyone for, uh, or, or thank everyone for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate the, the support. Again, if you're interested in inviting me to come speak uh, at uh, any of your organizational events, uh, I'll be more than happy to. My uh, topics are always the, uh, of course, the border, the second phase of the of the border crisis, my friends. That means what's happening in your backyard. Everybody focuses on what is happening at the border. Let's talk about what is happening in your backyard with the illegal aliens coming into your into your community, being resettled in, the, in your community, and the impact on everything from employment, health, education, the whole bit, my friends. Uh, the other issue that uh, I always talk about is race relations. As an American of Mexican descent, yes, I am a person of color, <laughs> as they say, but my friends, I'm America first. And uh, I will uh, speak to you about um, the issues that uh, the left and the liberals are trying to exploit uh, with uh, law enforcement, with education, with everything uh, related to, to race relations. Uh, and the third topic that I always talk about, my friends, and this is a very critical one, is fake news. Not just national fake news, but local fake news. The uh, San Antonio Express, the Laredo Times... The Houston Chronicle, the Dallas Morning News, the Austin Statesman, as well as all of the ABC, CBS, NBC uh, affiliates that bring fake news into your community. And, they, and how they cover local news in a spin from the fake news. So if you're interested in, uh, in uh, uh, me coming to your, to your organization, to your community to speak, let me know. Uh, let's also uh, let me also thank uh, our sponsors, the Federation for American Immigration Reform and the uh, uh, Alamo Pachyderm Club. They uh, support us, and I thank them dearly, tremendously. All right, so let me tell you real quick who our uh, guests are, and then we will jump to it. Uh, first of all, our first guest is Mr. Rodney Scott, the former uh, Border Patrol Chief for the Nation. Uh, Rodney's going to be talking about um, the uh, Mayorkas hearings uh, that occurred last week and the absolute dis uh, absolute destruction of uh, the border that is going on. Uh, Rodney's going to tell you firsthand how the Border Patrol has been rendered completely useless by this administration. Our uh, next, um, uh, after him, is Mr. Chris Hayek, who is with the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C., uh, the Immigration Reform Law Institute is the foremost uh, legal institution that uh, talks about uh, immigration, that uh, defends the border, that defends uh, people who uh, work at the border, policies that, uh, that are destructive to uh, rendering our border useless. Uh, Chris Hayek is going to be talking about the latest uh, case uh, against the Biden administration and what it means uh, to uh, the, the border crisis. Our next, in, uh, our, 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 uh, next guest is Mr. Joshua Trevino from the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Joshua is going to be talking to you about uh, a statement which was uh, issued 
by several organizations, including uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation, and how they um, uh, have described Mexico as a failed state. The statement puts it clearly, which I applaud, which I agree with, that uh, to depend on Mexico to address the uh, crisis at the border, my friends, is ridiculous. It's useless because they are a failed state. The corruption has reached the point where there is just uh, no way that Mexico can actually operate as a, as a functioning nation. You're going to want to hear this. This is very, very accurate, very, very true. Our final guest is Miss uh, Irene Armendariz Jackson, who is from El Paso. She uh, is a, a conservative and Republican uh, activist in, uh, in El Paso. Uh, she is president and organizer of the uh, border uh, coalition there in um, uh, there in El Paso. She's going to be talking about the uh, liberal Democrat uh, 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 establishment in El Paso that is actually uh, in opposition, in complete opposition to the um, to the efforts by the governor to uh, address the, the border issue, to uh, establish barriers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's incredible, my friends. In El Paso, they are suffering from the crisis, yet they still have Democrats in power who are saying that there's nothing wrong. Uh, the only thing they want, my friends, is a more open border and more money for Latin America. Incredible. So, my friends, once again, thank you very, very much for joining us. Please, please, please give us your support. Uh, if you're interested in supporting us, go to the website. They will, uh, You will know how uh, you can donate, how you can contribute, how you can support us. Let's go to our first guest. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador in San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got uh, my very good friend, Mr. Rodney Scott, who is the former National Border Patrol Chief. And I wanted to get him on because uh, two things have been happening uh, that uh, I want to get his ideas on. First of all, the uh, backlash, uh, the big backlash that's going on uh, regarding the um, uh, governor, the Texas governor's uh, efforts to secure the border with Boyd's in the water at the, in, the, in the Rio Grande, as well as uh, wire and, uh, and troops. And then secondly, a very uh, the, the uh, recent hearing with Mayorkas. Not too much has been said about that. So, Rodney, thank you very, very much, as usual. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thank you for having me on again. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, let's, uh, let me ask you, first of all, uh, because you've been somewhat involved in, the, in, that, in that situation, there is a real backlash uh, against uh, the uh, Texas efforts to secure the border with, uh, with Boyd's. I mean, they're claiming there was one headline here in San Antonio that said that the flow of the Rio Grande had been altered, if you can imagine. So <laughs> give us your thoughts. Yeah, there's always a lot of hype around things, so I encourage people to dig in a little bit more and get the truth. So I'll give you my background uh, on those buoy barriers or some people call it a water fence. Um, we actually looked at those when I was the chief. We did a very in-depth study. Uh, some We did some test deployments. Um, we had our own personnel, basically our, our special operations guys, um, get in the water with them to, to try to cross through, to see the safety, all the above. And we had determined... Uh, again, during the last uh, administration, but it was a very effective tool that we needed to start using uh, and deploying. The military has been using them for years to protect ships around the world. Here in the United States, places like you know San Diego Bay, people at work, places on the East Coast, um, it's not, it's nothing really that that new. It's just a different design on, on an old system. Um, it, they are made to float on the water, just like any other buoy does, whether it be a a navigational buoy or something like that and they're anchored they have uh, like depends on you can put different types of fencing or meshing below them but they're not changing the water direction or anything like that um they were designed professionally by engineers for this for this type of a purpose um we also looked at putting them off the coast in san diego when this administration, when the Biden administration came into power, they shut all of that and any conversation about it off when they shut off the physical border wall construction uh, and that whole technology package and everything that we were deploying. 
specifically to Texas, some people may not understand, private uh, ownership of land is a significant issue in South Texas, just meaning that people own land all the way up to the actual border. Where in other states they don't. That's why the border wall construction took longer, uh, purchasing property, finding out who they owned it. And the water barrier was going to give us a way to stop these smugglers and save lives. And you heard me right, save lives by basically discouraging, deterring people from getting into that dangerous current in the first place, and by taking away the ability for smugglers to throw a bunch of people in a raft and quickly come back and forth across the river. Um, and it's working. Uh, Del Rio, a few other places that they've they've installed them, uh, they are working. The, we've seen a shift in uh, smuggling patterns to other locations. Um, and they'll continue, Texas will continue to try to address those threats as they continue to pop up. But it's a very effective tool. It's very cost-effective, and it actually saves lives uh, counter to what you're cur- currently hearing in the mainstream media. Yeah, it's one of the uh, interesting things is that uh, we have heard that uh, since the buoys have been put in, there's been a drop, an actual drop in the number of uh, of uh, drownings. Now there have been two drownings that were reported, but they were reported on the Mexican side, and they don't, and they haven't said too much about it. They could have been uh, victims of the cartel rather than the uh, the river. Any death is is tragic. It's horrific, um, but there's this thing called free will, and people are going to get out into that river and that current. Um, some knowingly and just not thinking it through, and some are are basically duped by smugglers or others that it's not as bad as it really is. But those buoy barriers create a visible deterrent that are going to keep thousands and thousands of people out of that river, and that is going to save countless lives. There's just no way around it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it it that they seem to be working. Otherwise, there wouldn't be the screaming and the yelling that uh, is coming from from the left and from the liberals on this matter. Yeah, it's just they're they're. I, I, I'm at a loss actually of what they think or what they just decide to defend. It seems to be anything other than America. Yeah, really. Let me ask you now about um, the recent hearing uh, that uh, was held in Washington D.C. with Mayorkas. Not too much came out of that from the mainstream media, which makes me wonder what the heck happened. I mean, I would imagine that uh, he was raked over the coals because apparently he's not doing his job. <laughs> it's not just that he's not doing his job. He's he's I, he's not telling America the truth. And, and I, in Congress, they have all these rules. You're not supposed to call a witness or another congressman or senator a liar. But he's basically lying through the omission of very very important facts. For example, he talks about this major uh, decrease in cross border illegal activity after uh, Title Forty Two went away. If you selectively pick a day, one day compared to the next, because there was a certain kind of an unexpected surge the week just before Title 42 went away, we thought it was going to be after, but it ended up being before because of misinformation from smugglers and just confusion, there was a 70% drop in cross-border illegal activity. But if you spread that out way we normally do over like a 30-day period, you just go on to cbp.gov and look at the documented statistics posted online he's not telling the truth Uh and that's what congress started asking him about was the second or third layer not just his scripted talking points their scripted talking points are safe and humane ways to get into the united states they selectively pick the statistics they want to use that day say in between the ports southwest border but you have to look at total illegal alien flow and if you look at it i'll just give you a couple of months march it was 259,000. april it was 276,000 uh, plus or you know a little bit over that may 275,000 and then june was 211,000 that is not a 70 percent drop oh my god but if you dig into that a little bit deeper they've pushed about a hundred thousand more illegal aliens into the ports of entry through their illegal CBP-1 app as opposed to them crossing in between the ports of entry. So they're, they selectively pick the numbers, but we're seeing more people from more different countries released into the United States today than ever before, and they don't want to talk about it. Let me give you a couple more statistics, and I'll, I'll shut up, I promise. <laughs> but just, just in June, over 160,000 of that 211,000 were from countries other than Mexico. 
and that's not just like Honduras, Nicaragua. That was like 4,500 from China, with the vast majority of those being single adult males. Over 2,000 from Turkey. And you can just see some of the other high-level countries if you go on to cpp.gov and look at their statistics. But this administration, when asked questions about that and the terrorist threat and the criminal threat, the secretary dodges all those questions. He refuses to admit that there are serious threats that are coming into our country because of their failed policies. And he did get raked over the coals uh, for that. But the mainstream media picked up on his talking points, not the truth. Um, and then just did not want to cover the fact that, you know, a lot of congressmen asked him hard questions and he just wouldn't answer any of them. He dodged every meaningful question. Yeah, that's the, the, that is that is amazing. Uh, you know, when you combine the defund the police movement that we've got in virtually every big city with this wide open uh, border uh, and uh, the criminals and terrorists and everybody that's coming in. I mean, it's a dangerous time for citizens. It's a very dangerous time. And, and I have one other prediction. I don't know how much time we have for, for your uh, Go ahead. For your listeners. Go ahead. So if you look at how much money the federal government right now is diverting out of FEMA grants through these housing funds or these housing grants directly to cities like Chicago, New York, California, to support this illegal, this massive amount of illegal immigration, they are draining that fund. And if you, you watch, I'll bet money on it. The minute that we have some real, true, serious national, uh, like national incident, like a hurricane, that that was what that money was supposed to be used for, the Democrats are just going to go and they're going to ask for a supplemental. Uh-huh. And they're going to say, hey, you know, we need money for these all these Americans to help them out. And they're going to ignore, they're going to refuse to talk about the fact that they bled out millions, probably billions of dollars out of that fund that's supposed to help during a hur after a hurricane, a tornado, or any type of a natural disaster, um, but they're not going to talk about that. They're just going to act like, "Hey, we need to we need more money to help more people." You watch; they're going to come back for more money. That, that's that's really amazing. I mean, that's that is. I I would I would bank on that myself. I I you know I I agree with you a hundred percent. That's probably what's going to happen. My friend, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. As usual, we've got to get you back on the on the on the show again sometime soon, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Mr. Rodney Scott, former National Border Patrol chief, and uh, now, uh, yeah, I, you just a, a wealth of information. Thank you very very much, Rodney, for being with us. Thank you, George, for keeping the truth out there, and I'll help out any way I can. You got it. Have a great day. You got it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Chris Hayek, from the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute in D.C. And I wanted to get him on because there's been a lot of discussion regarding a recent ruling uh, about the uh, Biden asylum process. And uh, we wanted to make sure that we understand because um, uh, everything, I mean, uh, there's a sneezing and uh, we here at the border catch a cold or pneumonia. And so, uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Sure. Uh, can can you uh, explain to us what has happened or what, what this case was all about and what impact well, it might have. Well, the, to put it in context, uh, Biden has a program of, uh, the, there's two parts to it. Uh, both are challenged in different courts by different parties. Uh, w- one part is let people come in by using an app, 30,000 per month from four countries uh, designated, uh, Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and uh, Haiti. Um, and uh, they come in using the app and they're processed, they're released and given parole, which is, uh, and that's flatly unlawful. Uh, you can't get parole in, in that, you know, en masse like that. You can't just give it to masses of people. You have to give it on an individual basis. That's what the law says. So that's being challenged by the state of Texas in Texas. The other part of it is as an incentive to use the app, uh, the administration has said, you don't get asylum if you come 
you know, over the border illegally between ports of entry. You're supposed to go to a port of entry, line up, you know, uh, meet, you know, make your appointment you made on the app and, and get processed in. Uh, so as an incentive, you know, you, you no longer get asylum. You're not eligible for asylum if you come in over the border. Now, Trump did something like that, uh, had a rule like the second part of this, and uh, the Ninth Circuit struck it down. Uh, saying he didn't have the discretion to make this, uh, he didn't have the, that flexibility under the law, and I, I think he did, and uh, and I think Biden has that flexibility for that part of it. So it, uh, it's been challenged, and a, a, a judge in California struck it down, and that's on appeal. Uh, it's uh, the, the immediate effect is nothing because the Ninth Circuit granted a stay of the injunction, so that the, the the, the program is still going on while it's on on appeal. It's on expedited, speeded up uh, appeal. Now, now, does this mean does this mean that um, the uh, that illegal aliens would have an easier time coming in? Uh, is that is that what uh, this this means? Yes, according to the judge. I mean, yeah. It, it, if this injunction is upheld on appeal and goes into effect, uh, they won't be able to to deny asylum to people coming over. You know, because they came over the border illegally, so uh, that that incentive to uh, use the app would be gone. But you know, it, it's regardless of the app, it's uh, you know, it's a it's a good idea. Um, asylum should be for people who uh, you know go to a port of entry. They're they, they're seeking asylum. They they should knock on the door, not sneak in. Correct. Uh, to be sure, so that people understand, the idea was that they would come through a port of entry such as a bo- a, a, a bridge, introduce yeah. themselves and ask for asylum. On the other hand, if you cr- if you scurry across the uh, river, and I got in trouble the other day, I want you to know that, for using the the, the adverb scurry across, uh, they said, oh, that sounds like they're rodents. Well, I got news for you. Anyway... <laughs> Um, yeah. That uh, if they, scurry... but don't dump them in. Uh, don't dump them in, in liberal cities. That they, they, they'll complain about the the aliens being dumped there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they'll use they'll, that word. They'll use the like... word dump. That's right. That's right. You know, shows the irony here. But if they come across uh, a, a a non port of entry, if they just come across the river uh, and then ask for asylum, apparently that was not the way it could be done before. But now it can. Yeah, I mean, they, they uh, very few of them even apply for asylum now. I mean, it, it's just, they're not asylees, but uh, I, I, it's hard to say how much effect this would have um, because many of them are not apprehended at all. If they are apprehended, they're released, whether they get asylum or not. Wow. I mean, what, what, it, it, so it, it doesn't really matter. It's a hot uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, there, there's so many avenues for them to get in that uh, uh, basically, you know, uh, they're not going to use the app if they're a criminal or uh, uh, they've been deported before or something like that. So there's still plenty of uh, people who are going to want to enter illegally. Wow. And uh, they're not going to be too influenced about by not getting asylum, they, so, they never even you know report for their asylum healing right uh, hearings. So, so let me be blunt. Uh, let me just ask you this: Is there any law, or is there any law enforcement? Well, any law right now that is being enforced that protects the the border that stops illegal immigration. I mean, it seems like there's loopholes all over the place. Yeah, um, the, the the law is has been subverted by the administration. It's it's doing everything it can uh, to create the opposite of the intended result of the law, and um, that's really un- unconstitutional. It's a failure to take care of that the laws be faithfully executed. I mean. You're not taking care that, that, that the laws be faithfully executed by uh, trying to achieve the exact opposite effect and succeeding at that. Um, one thing that is, um, I mean, there, there's now a district court in Texas that's gotten a, a case sent back to it 
from the appellate court saying you have to rule on a on a preliminary injunction uh, about building the wall. Uh, Biden, by law, has to build the wall. And um, th- th- this judge is, is probably no desire to uh, make him do that. <laughs> but now at least has to decide that. And then if um, uh, the court decides wrong, they could be appealed. So there's one thing that uh, Biden should be doing is completing Trump's wall. Incredible. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll buy some popcorn and watch that and see if it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Really. I mean, it's incredible. Well, Chris, as usual, thank you very, very much for helping us to um, figure out what is happening in the legal world. Um, because right. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we're, we're, we're in deep trouble. Somebody right ought to sue him. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> very good. good. <laughs> Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Chris Hayek from the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Tell the folks where they can follow and wh- how they can support early. Well, you can go to our website, which is IRLI.org. Gotcha. Early, the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Well, thank you very, very much, Chris, for taking time to be with us. We'll be in touch again soon uh, so you can enlighten us some more on the legal issues. Sure thing. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Joshua Trevino. He is the Chief of Intelligence and Research at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Uh, I wanted to get him on because there was a statement that was released this past week uh, that has uh, uh, some pretty uh, good think tanks involved in it, Heritage Foundation to Texas Public Policy Foundation. Um, But um, I wanted to find out what it's all about. Uh, Joshua, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. Always good to talk to you, George. Thanks for having me on. Tell us about this statement on uh, U.S.-Mexican relations. Yes, the statement on U.S.-Mexico relations is from the conservative U.S.-Mexico Policy Coalition. Coalition. It is a coalition of several policy organizations in both the United States and in Mexico, including the Texas Public Policy Foundation, where I work, AFPI, Heritage, Center for Renewing America, Center for Secure Free Society, and Patria Unida out of Mexico City. And we all have come together uh, on a, a statement of, of uh, really, you know, it's, it's, it's built as a statement of principles. It's a statement of reality about what's happening with the Mexican regime. And the very first thing that we say in this coalition statement is that the Mexican government is not an ally to the United States and can no longer be properly described as a partner. Uh, George, you and I are from the same uh, broad region of Texas, and uh, you were well aware, as am I, of just how momentous a statement that is. But it happens to be the truth, and we have to face that reality. That's really, I mean, for so long, those of us like you and I that live uh, along the border and, you know, we have recognized that. But to, to be there a statement, what uh, encouraged or what, uh, how did that happen, particularly on the Mexican side? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, there has been this idea really since, uh, you know, uh, I call it the 1994 consensus, right? 1994 is the uh, the year in which NAFTA came into effect and really inaugurated what was supposed to be the modern era of U.S.-Mexico relations um, that, was, that, that included this idea that with the increased trade and investment, Mexico would become a, a peaceful, liberal, democratic neighbor to the United States. Uh, and what's happened is uh, pretty much the same thing that's happened with China is that trade and wealth have gone up, um, but security has gone down. Uh, now, Mexico and China are not the same, so I don't want to compare them too much. But in terms of the false assumptions that we've held on the U.S. side about what increased trade is going to do, it really shows up the limits of what I would describe as kind of the free trade orthodoxy and neoliberal concept of the effects of, of uh, commerce. On the Mexican side, unfortunately, what we've seen is a devolution of the Mexican state uh, into warlordism, a lot of criminality, and now under the current Mexican president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, uh, really a, 
something close to an open alliance between the Mexican federal government, various levels of Mexican state government, and their own criminal cartels. And so looking at that, uh, you know, we're urging U.S. policymakers uh, just to acknowledge that reality and understand that when it comes to making uh, policy vis-a-vis Mexico, you can no longer depend on the old partnership model. There's not a lot of fruit to be had in working with your Mexican partner on the other side, assuming that we both want the same thing, or even that there's a relationship of goodwill. We have to have uh, much more an attitude of demanding accountability and, in some cases, uh, outright confrontation um, uh, to get our neighbors of the South to do what they ought. Now, I cannot emphasize enough how honest of, an, of a statement that is, that, um, you know, that we can't really depend on Mexico. I like the phrase that you used, warlordism. Uh, I mean, it, it, that's exactly what uh, it seems to, that's who, who seems to be governing, at least along the border, the, uh, the warlords. Or the cartels. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely right. Uh, and, and, and I think that's an important point to highlight, uh, George, because uh, there is a misconception that the cartels are effectively, you know, what I would describe as normal. No, no criminal organization is normal, right? So we'll put normal in quotes, but a normal criminal organization to the extent that they're just interested in moving product and, and money, uh, you know, sort of like the mafia in New Jersey, right? Correct. And, 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 and for a while, that was that, that was broadly true. It's no longer the case, though. Uh, we really have moved decisively into an era in which these cartels, um, uh, you know, first of all, they don't just traffic in illegal goods. They traffic in people. They traffic in otherwise legal goods. They're, they're essentially organizations that take over entire economic sectors. And now they're taking over the state itself. So they become sovereignty-bearing organizations. Ambassador Chris Landau, who was Trump's ambassador uh, in Mexico, uh, said about, I think it was about two years ago, that about 35 to 40 percent of Mexico is now governed by narco cartels. Of course, the Mexican side uh, fell into official connections over this, uh, you know, how dare, uh, you know, we insult, um, you know, Mexican sovereignty by saying something like this. But the fact is, it is true. And uh, one of the things that the coalition is pointing out is that the Mexican state has not been pushed out of this territory. It hasn't been, um, you know, subdued by superior force in any way. What's happened is that the elements of the state, including the president of Mexico himself, have seen it to their material advantage to ally with and partner with these narco cartels. And so as we look at cartels controlling and exercising sovereignty over more and more of Mexico, including the entirety of the Texas-Mexico border, we have to be clear about that. Uh, we, we, we need to understand that what we're seeing is a partnership with, um, with, with the Mexican state uh, that is uh, no longer our friend. You know, it is, it is, I'm not sure what is hard for some people to understand that money talks and money buys politicians. And when you buy politicians, you're by definition going to buy policy, you're going to buy uh, laws, you're going to buy off law enforcement. I mean, everything that goes with it. Yeah, yeah, that's 100% right. And, you know, uh, the Mexican civil society is, uh, I think it's fair to say, and, and, uh, and again, you know, I have a lot of uh, love and affection for um, uh, Mexico and Mexicans in general. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm half Mexican, so you know, I feel like I have to say that as a disclaimer before I say what I'm about to say, which is that Mexican <laughs> civil society, Mexican civil society is traditionally quite weak. Uh, you get a lot of Mexicans who, who acknowledge that too. Yes. Um, uh, and so and so it is, is easier for a lot of reasons that we probably don't have time in this segment to get into uh, for corruption and nepotism to take root there because this is what happens when you have a traditional weak rule of law system. Um, but all that said, uh, we should not believe, those of us in Texas, those of us in the United States, we should not believe that we are immune to what's Correct. happening in Mexico. Uh, I, I have said for years that uh, although you know, fentanyl is a threat, human trafficking is a threat, and everything that the cartels do is a threat, uh, and we shouldn't downplay any of it. But the number one threat of what's happening in Mexico, to me, is corruption. Correct. And uh, it is rampant across South Texas. It's unfortunate, but it's true. You know, my native region. Um, uh, and uh, as it reaches further and further into the United States as a result of cartel activity left unchecked, um, uh, that's the ultimate threat to our way of life. And so we need to look at what's happening in Mexico uh, as a warning to what will happen to us tomorrow if we don't act today. I, I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you real quick before we let you go that, um, you know, we while we use the term warlordism or warlords uh, to con- that control uh, 
areas, politics and, and economics in, uh, in Mexico, the cartels. On the U.S. side, we have historically had political bosses in the South, in, in, in South Texas, political bosses that have controlled politics and economics. Do you think yeah. that there will be some kind of unhealthy alliance eventually between the warlords and uh, the uh, political bosses? Cross-border ties uh, like that between uh, office holders, uh, you know, patrons, bosses, whatever you want to call them, uh, have existed for, for, for generations. Um, uh, you know, my, my great-grandfather was sheriff of Jim Hogg County, uh, part of the Duke of Duval's uh, extended machine. Those of you familiar with South Texas history will be very familiar with him and that figure. And, and, and they had cross-border ties uh, as well. Uh, and so, you know, what the nature of that was, my suspicion is it was not on the up and up, but, uh, you know, that was 70, 60 years ago. Uh, it continues today uh, in some form. Um, uh, you know, it tends to be it tends to be quite nebulous. What I can tell you in terms of, of proven cases is that uh, is that uh, you know I, not to pick on our sheriffs because many of our sheriffs are very very good people who are trying to do the right thing, and our sheriffs are our first line of defense. We can't forget that on the border and elsewhere in Texas. But, you know, I can tell you right now of at least three examples of sheriff's departments uh, on the Texas-Mexico border that ended up subcontracting themselves out to cartels. There was uh, Sheriff Cantu in, in uh, Cameron County. There was uh, Sheriff Hidalgo in Hidalgo County. I'm sorry, Sheriff Trevino, one of my Trevinos, in uh, Hidalgo County. And uh, then there was the sheriff out in um, Presidio County out west, uh, who turned out to be working with the Ojinagans. And so if those are the cases that we know about, how many more are there out there uh, that, we, that, that, that we don't know? Uh, and I think to your point, George, um, that is evidence of the kind of ties that build if the disease is not fought. Correct. And that's a good way to put it, the disease. My friend, thank you so much. I love talking to you and getting you on to, uh, to, to amplify our world. I mean, it is fantastic. It is great. I couldn't say enough good things about TTPF. Um, the Texas Public well, Policy you. Foundation. Uh, we've been talking with our good friend, Mr. Joshua Trevino, Chief of Intel and Research at Texas Public Policy Foundation. Joshua, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, all your work bringing the uh, truth to Texas. Hey, we're doing our best. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, our good friend, Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson, who is uh, a mom and grandmom. She's very, very, uh, she's very proud of those titles, as well as she's also president and founder of the Border Security uh, Coalition in El Paso. Now, I wanted to get her on here because the past couple of weeks, there has been a real intense uh, opposition uh, in the media and among a lot of organizations uh, in uh, along the border and in El Paso. And uh, I wanted to get her on because, uh, well, Irene has been very outspoken about border security. Irene, thank you very much for taking time to be with us on the show. Um, it's always a pleasure. Oh, thank you very, very much. All right. So, Irene, uh, we, you and I have been involved in border security discussions before, and uh, right. we know that it's important. Why is there such opposition to uh, Greg Abbott's, uh, the governor's efforts to uh, secure the border? Well, it's it's really the same old, same old. You know, we were talking off air, you and I, about how politicians love to create problems and then they want to be the ones to rescue us. And uh, the the message from them is always, you know, this is for the elite, uh, politics, the solutions, Congress, anything. It's for the elite, it's for the multimillionaires, and everybody that's at the grassroots level like you and me, it almost feels like we're not worthy. We're not worthy to bring, to have any solutions. And I've always said this from the beginning, that the solution to the border crisis is actually very simple. 
it, it, and it, but you have to have the right people in charge, and it's to enforce the law. It's like your it's your home. You have unruly children, and if you keep counting, you know we're famous for saying, "Okay, I'm gonna count to three, and if I say three, then that's it." And then you hit three, and nothing changes, and then well, I'm gonna give you one more chance. So that's what's really what's happening. <laughs> we have unruly children in charge of our country, and you know even Obama. What did he do? How many? Uh, lines in the sand did he draw and then they would step over them and then he'd draw another line until we are strong just like trump's administration was strong in the consequences i believe in um uh, uh, strength in diploma di diplomatic strength i believe in enforcement uh, through diplomacy but until the other countries including mexico that should be stopping these people at their southern border until there's severe consequences. And I'm talking about money because that's the language every politician and every person in power understands. Until there's severe consequences, we will not um, see this stop. And uh, furthermore, here in El Paso, there's a lot of people getting very wealthy through this border crisis. <laughs> that's, you know, that is, that's, that's one of the ironies. Um, for example... And it's both Democrats and Republicans, okay? This is not a Democrat, uh, just the Democrats getting wealthy. There's a lot of Republicans getting wealthy as well. That's true, that's true. One of the th ironies is how Mexico is very upset about us protecting the border. What are your thoughts? Well, let me just tell you that just a couple of days here in El Paso, the news actually, um, which I never watch, <laughs> everybody tells me, hey, did you hear this in the news? But we have been doing a little bit of research as to really the, um, the consequences, the impact, the negative impact to our um, to mother, to our earth, really, to our agriculture, to our waterways because of this mass migration and just yesterday no i'm sorry two days ago um it came out in the el paso news that juarez which is our sister city is uh suing the united states because of the high levels of um ecoli in the rio grande what did we think was going to happen you know for those of us that are have been involved and looked uh, looked at the border security issue um, for years this is not this is two issues that the democrats love to put together because they pull at hearts at people's heartstrings um you know that poor little child that is coming and doing the whole walk by himself all the way from honduras to the southern border how are we going to say no how are we going to say no <laughs> to this poor mother that just wants to save her children from the gang violence and they walked all the way from colombia yeah you know whatever you know i refuse to believe that a little indian in the mountains of honduras woke up one day and said well i've read immigration the united states immigration law and if i make it to the southern border and i seek asylum they have to give it to me so i've said this continu continuously somebody is educating people giving them the right uh, verbiage to say at the border and transporting them. They are not walking thousands of miles to get to the southern border. It's ridiculous to think that. And so going back to your question, why is there so much opposition? It's because there's money that is being made. I just found out here in El Paso that in the processing center where they are releasing them because they don't have anywhere to go, there is contractors giving out business cards to and letting them know that they're going to show up at this location in the morning to pick them up and paying them a miserable $30 a day for 12 hours. I'm talking about roofing uh, jobs, construction jobs in over 100 degree weather. Wow. So, I mean, I throw all this because if you're going to focus on the humanity of these poor illegals, then where's the outrage on that? But the reality is, is they wouldn't be in this position and they wouldn't come into our country with complete disregard to our immigration laws. That's true. Now, let me ask you about this, because right there in El Paso, 
uh, you have a congresswoman um, that uh, has been very, very outspoken, uh, Veronica Escobar, who has been very, very outspoken against anything to stop uh, the illegal alien flow, as well as uh, the fentanyl. I mean, I, if you can't secure the border, you're going to have um, the drugs coming across as well. Uh, what is she all about? Can you tell us anything about her? Well, she's always been radical. And uh, we thought, you know, we think Beto O'Rourke is radical. Then he actually occupied that seat. He had that seat before he ran for the Senate against Ted Cruz. And that's when she came in. She was uh, involved in politics for a very long time and then she ran for commissioner's court and she won because the democrats have been controlling el paso for the last 60 years because the republicans have ignored el paso for that same amount of time so we're not going to put it all on the democrats the republicans have been absent from my district for decades and so then she she's in the in commissioner's court but even at that at, at that level it is. It was very evident that it was not about the community. It has always been about how she can become um, line her pockets and those of her friends. So, her husband is actually an immigration judge, and I always jokingly say, you know, I guess it's job security. She brings him in, and he deports him because <laughs> he actually has a reputation of um, deporting a lot. A lot of people. So, you know, it's like she opens the door and he kicks them out. And so then we have here in El Paso, the the media is very friendly to her. And so you say he, she's been very outspoken. Well, we have been very outspoken against all that, but we don't get the airtime. And that's why it's important for people to understand that if we're going to win seats like El Paso, and it's very winnable very winnable then your money needs to start going not to the rnc and the powers that be because we don't get a dollar from them now if they were they called me and said i really want to put five million into el paso we would gladly receive it you know this is not something for them to say well see they don't even want us no we want them but we know that we've asked and they have refused to do it so it comes down to the people uh, from San Antonio, from El Paso, to start putting their resources into flipping these districts. And so that's why on the BorderSecurityCoalition.com side, it's a super pack to be able to effectively identify um, candidates that are very strong on border security. But I want to make sure that if you don't take anything else from this conversation, that you take this. Immigration and border security are two different issues. But the Democrats love to compile them and throw them together because then it creates a, um, a distraction from what's happening on the border. Let's have that conversation now. Veronica Escobar alongside uh, Maria Elvira Salazar in Miami have put together this, um, uh, the, the act, oh my gosh, the, the name is leaving me, but basically it's amnesty. And this is a Republican and a Democrat. Maria Elvira Salazar is the main sponsor, and Veronica Escobar is the Dignity, the Dignity Act. And this is something the the, the Democrats do very well. Also, they always title their uh, bills uh, these uh, very inflaming titles to pull at people's heartstrings. <laughs> but you know, if we don't understand the history of amnesty and i'm sure you do because you you served during the reagan administration yeah, i saw it I that saw was it. a one time <laughs> that was supposed to be a one in a lifetime historical uh solution type thing or opportunity whatever you want to call it and they said never again should this happen and here we are again that's right that's right uh, Irene, we're going to need to let you go, but thank you very much for, for taking time to be with us and educate us as usual. 
we we need to follow what is going on in El Paso because you're right they really really I mean it is really ignored by the powers that be by the conservative and Republican powers that be we really need to, to focus much more on it I think so too and you know always it's always a pleasure and if anybody ever wants to make contact my phone number is 915-494-2851 I would love to answer any of the questions that anybody might have because it's important that we have the tools in order to um, educate others around us and share that information and if anybody wants to invite me to speak and we will definitely speak about the difference between immigration and border security always be uh, willing to give me a call and we'll make sure to work it into our calendar you got it once again my friends we've been speaking with our good friend miss irene uh, armandares jackson from el paso thank you irene for taking time to be with us Thank you, and God bless you all. Once again, my friends, thank you for joining us today. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you very, very much for supporting us, for uh, uh, going to our website, going to our social Facebook pages, going to uh, Twitter, etc., etc., and following us. My friends, the second phase of the border conflict, the border crisis, is very real. It is coming well, it's not coming. It's already at your front door, in your backyard, in your community. It's not at the at the at the border anymore. I know that you keep watching all of these uh, uh, very uh, disturbing scenes of people crossing the border, thousands of people crossing the border. However, they're coming into your backyard, and since the federal government will not do anything at the border, you've got to do something in your backyard. You've got to be in opposition of people being resettled, people who are not legally in the United States, people who uh, have been have uh, been let in by bending the rules, by ignoring the laws, people who are in the United States uh, illegally, and you're going to pay for it, my friends. You're going to pay for it. There are activists that would always tell you, oh, they pay taxes too. Not these people. We have well over 2 million people that have entered in the past few months, in the past couple of years, that have entered, that have never paid into the system. So, my friends, listen to our show, educate yourself, inform yourself, tell your friends to listen to our program. We need to inform folks because the coming election is going to be very, very important for us, both at the national level, at the local level. We need to Uh, We need sanctuary communities for citizens, not for illegal aliens. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, thank you very much. Till next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.